Welcome to episode two of Taking a Punt, the Dane Roy story. When we left you last, the Dane had just arrived in America after a whirlwind few months, winning the longest kick competition in Australia, joining up with a pro kick tour and discovering some of the weird and wacky ways of the United States. We pick up the Dane Roy story as we build through a pre-season and gear up for year one with the Houston Cougars. So part of my uh, reasoning to go over early was to acclimate myself and also to join in on the pro kick tour because this is like every year um, Chappie and um, what started off as a couple of boys would go over. I think last year in 2019, it was like 20 guys or 30 guys or something. During the last seven years, Chapman's Melbourne-based kicking school has exported 63 Aussie punters to some of the best college programs in the U.S. And more Aussies are on the way. You will see that our punters will dominate college football as the coaches allow or give them more scope to do what they do best. Yeah, back in 2016, part of the reason, yeah, so the coaches agreed that... Um, I would be allowed to come in June and then I was meant to work out. And then for two weeks in July, I was going to go for, um, or two or three weeks in July, I was allowed to, to travel around with Chappie because I was going to still get some coaching and all that and then come back and be right for full camp. But um, that still happened, but it didn't go to that according to plan. So, uh, yeah, every year Chappie brings a bunch of guys on the trip and we go to all the different universities that we have access to, like there's a player at, so you can go see um, what you're about to get yourself into. So, obviously, you have to pay for the trip yourself, but it really gives you a, uh, an eye-opening experience to see all the different um, places and see the different types of um, uh, universities and uh, football programs that are out there. So... Um, this trip, we flew to Maryland straight up. Well, I flew to Maryland straight up. Uh, the, the boys had already gone to like USC in LA uh, because they landed on the uh, Western seaboard for the, um, obviously it's closer to Australia. And I met up with them in uh, Maryland and we toured the campus there and uh, local drinking establishments with um, our tour guide, Wade Leagues, who, uh, our listeners would know as a Maryland Terps punter and now UCLA, he just finished there. I think he just finished his Masters as well. And he was a um, infamously known for uh, importing a fat burner or something like that. And the, the water or Asada stung him for um, like a year or 18 months. Oh. He couldn't play. He was playing for Casey Scorpions at the time. So, um, but uh, yeah, after, after we went to uh, Maryland, like, their facility was like pretty cool. There's a big turtle at the front of the stadium when you run out. And um, they were building their uh, indoor stadium when we were there. Now it's finished. Looks like an airplane hangar. It's huge. Um, then we uh, jumped in the vans that Chappie had hired and we drove all the way up from uh, uh, Maryland, which is pretty much Washington, D.C. And then we went to um, Rutgers, which is in New Jersey. And that's where we met up with... Uh, Tim Gleason, and then we went to uh, State College to see Danny Pask, and that is the home of Penn State. And let me tell you, that is an awesome college town. I recommend people go to Penn State and just visit that one. That's like 
if you can get to a game there, like sometimes they have whiteouts and it's a hundred thousand seat stadium and everyone is wearing white except for like a little corner in the top where they <laughs> put the away fans. But that's that's a crazy place and it's a college town and um yeah, like if you don't know much about college towns, like the town only exists because there is a college, a university there. So they're right behind the team. And um, I think we walked up the top. We, we toured all the stadiums, obviously, and uh, we tried to walk to the top of every stadium. And this was this and the LSU stadium we'll get to later. Like they, they had endless stairs. This felt like we went on forever. But um, yeah, pretty cool and great view when you're up the top there. And then we... Um, uh, went through from State College all the way to, over to Pittsburgh, a couple of hours away. And we uh, met up with uh, Jordan Berry, who was at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And um, Kirk, who was on the trip, and I don't think he knew he was going to Pittsburgh at the time. He ended up at Pittsburgh a couple of months later. So um, the one thing about the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Pitt Panthers is that they share the same practice facility, which is right on the river. And uh, there's like four... Um, fields like right in a row and the Steelers have the first two and the Panthers have the, the next two over there and I think there's like a weight room and stuff they all do that there but the worst thing about that one is that it's not actually on campus for the Panthers there so they have to get a bus there every every time they want to, to go practice or something and so it's not like you can just finish class and walk over to, to practice like I was doing at Houston but um after that, we went down to Columbus, Ohio, to see Ohio State University and at uh, Cam Johnston, now at the Eagles. He was at um, Ohio State, and um, Ohio State had a chance to grab at Aussie, and they didn't. But um, they had a really good punter over the next couple of years, and there's now an Aussie, I think his name's like Jesse Micro. He's just committed to Ohio State University, and that's pretty cool. And he's a massive... Uh, stadium as well it's called the horseshoe or the shoe because it looks like a horseshoe and um half the group went on to michigan the next day but after being at ohio state for that day listening to all the strength coaches talk absolute shit about michigan we we're like we don't really want to go to michigan like these guys sound like they're the worst so we um <laughs> We kind of like sided with Ohio State. And uh, yeah, so half the, the vans went to Michigan and the other half stayed for another night out on the, uh, on, on the alcohol, so to say. And um, so we had our good times. And uh, so it's Columbus is like some really nice nightclubs because that is another sort of college town, you would say. Like the biggest thing to do in Columbus is um, watch Ohio State. There's also a soccer team, Columbus Crew, and the Columbus Blue Jackets, I think, are the ice hockey team in the NHL. But the, um, the nightclub scene was pretty cool there. So we had some um, good times with Cam there. So we caught back up with the boys. Um, they went to Michigan. We drove and met them on the way to uh, the home of Jack Sheldon, the Central Michigan Chippewas, which was... Um, Let's just say it was like, I don't want to offend any Victorian towns, but it was like a cross between like Ballarat and Shepherd and maybe even smaller than that. And it was just, uh, it was up, up north of Michigan. Well, technically it's central Michigan, but um, I felt like we went pretty far up. And uh, yeah, we, we saw their facilities and that was pretty cool. A lower school, but um, still had some nice things. And they had like an indoor as well because it snows up there and you need to get inside for your practices. 
And then after that, we flew, we drove back to Detroit, flew to New Orleans, and then um, went to Hattiesburg where I met Ray Guy again, which is um, pretty cool because I just met him uh, the previous year. And um, so we went to a ProKick.com camp and um, yeah, Ray Guy was there because he's obviously a Hattiesburg guy and all the kids like to, to meet him as well. Uh, we went to Bourbon Street as well while we were there. I've been there a few times. <laughs> and a few of the boys went home from there and the rest went on to Baton Rouge. And uh, after a massive two weeks traveling, I was finally back in Houston. And uh, so while everyone else was still working out at this time, everyone else was um, doing their daily workouts. All my um, teammates were doing their daily workouts, like wake up at six, uh, wake up at five, get in, get ready to run on the grass at six. And then straight after that, go in for a lift. And um, yeah, it's pretty tough summer conditioning. And I had managed to be living it up in the USA for a little bit. And, but that was about to change. One of the biggest issues confronting athletes was the brutal pre-season conditions. We caught up with Coach Robinson for a perspective on the brueling nature of pre-season training. Camp is really, really, really hard on everyone. Everyone kind of breaks down during camp. I, I break down every. I would break down every year during camp, man, because it's seven days a week, seven a.m. to ten p.m. You know what I mean? For I don't remember how many days camp is now, but you know, twenty plus days. So I wouldn't see my kids. Everybody's running on lack of sleep. Everybody breaks down. So, but I mean, I, I think I would just. I always told my guys. I mean, I think my guys knew too that. If there was an issue, they ever came to me, you know, and talked to me, and we just kind of go from there. So uh, now some places have counselors and different um, different things and different people in place to kind of deal with some of that stuff. So, mm. and, um, so I um, was meant to uh, – technically, I was meant to be enrolled in a class because my visa said, all right, you've come on the 15th of June – you need to be in a class before the 15th of July. And the classes started on July 1st. So um, I enrolled in that. And then they were like, oh, well, your scholarship doesn't count um, until August when classes started to fall. And I was like, all right, well, you've given me a, you've given me a visa that says my classes start on um, the July the second summer session. So what are you going to do? Because if I don't start classes, then I'm like... Um, in breach of your visa. Yeah. breach of my visa. So what's going to happen? And then one of the coaches suggested, I'll oh, just go get a loan and pay for it that way. And I was <laughs> like, I- I'm not going to do that. Like, why would, I- why would I spend my own money when I'm coming over here for a scholarship? The reason was someone got injured and was out for good in um, spring. So they brought in someone and used the last scholarship for that guy who was a Canadian. I was like, well, couldn't you have like brought him in for the August one? But anyway, we, it was it's, it was really annoying because they're like, oh well, now I had to report to the um, uh, the international student services, whatever it was, and he had to self-report and say, well, you, you're in breach of your visa. So at the same time, I was trying to get like ID and and uh, social security number. And they're like, well, you're in breach of your visa. We can't do anything. So I had to apply for a visa after, yeah. So they unenrolled me in class, which means I couldn't work out because of the rule. You had to be enrolled in class to work out. So I unenrolled in class and then I had to reapply for a visa with a new start date 
and then that created issues for like entering the country after straight after that like um every time i entered the country they would pull me aside into like secondary interviews and i'd, I'd take like half an hour of my time and when you're trying to connect in flights half an hour is a big deal especially yeah, yeah. If you're trying to like make some pretty cutthroat flight times and a lot of the times i missed my flight i know one time i missed the flight because i was like as the door was closing or as the plane was pulling out and the next flight was full, which was in two hours. And then I had to wait four hours for the, for the next flight all because they um, pulled me aside for like half an hour. And then when they finished, they're like, Oh, what, why'd you get a new visa? And I was like, well, it was the wrong start date. I didn't start. I didn't have a scholarship until August. They're like, all right, on your way. I'm like, Oh my God. Every time. And it was, um, they're doing their job, but uh, yeah, it was pretty annoying. Don't let your coaches do your visa. So we had a few days off before fall camp. So uh, fall camp, wow, what a uh, totally unexpected thing. So the schedule is crazy, but uh, that year the schedule was crazy because we had a kind of crazy coach. But um, it's uh, new rules have come in now and changed in favour of the students. So the schedule... Um, this was one from Thursday, August 4th, 5 a.m. The injured guys have to come in between 5 a.m. and 5.15 because they need to get checked off and like do all your rehab. The injured guys have to like do rehab, whether it's like a laser treatment or like stem or ice or something. You have to do like three times a day. But um, as I was saying, the rules have changed in favor of the students. So this one went for like three weeks and... Like you would get in, you have to um, get um, like your tape, get uh, food as well into you um, before six o'clock because six o'clock was the first meeting and that was the kicking meeting. And then um, after that, we would have to get all our stuff on and get ready because the, the run through was, this is like, um, like you, you know, your run throughs and stuff like you, that was at 7.05 and then the special teams run through would be at 7.15, stretch would be at 7.20 and then practice was from 7.30 until 10. It's a long time. And then after, uh, at 10 o'clock, you would have lunch and there's also like nap time. They would say three hour nap time. Obviously you woke up, you've just worked out, you want, you want some, uh, some sleep. And then after that, you'd get treatment. Sometimes it'd be a lift as well. And um, like, so you go uh, lift weights in the middle of the day. And then by 3.45, there's another meeting. And then I'm just, I'm just can't, I'm reading this. I haven't seen this in a long time. And, <laughs> and then um, 4.30 be more meetings. And then 5.30 be dinner. And then 6.15 would be a team meeting. And then 6.30 would be the offense and defense meeting again. Specialists don't have to worry about that one. That's more time for us to throw tennis balls at each other. And then uh, <laughs> a run-through would be at 7.15. And then the kicking run-through would be at 8. Then it says snack to go at 8.30. So that would give us food so we can go home and eat and then sleep. And lights out at 9. But I know the first day of our full camp in 2016 we left at 9 30 so we got here at like 5 30 in the morning and we left at 9 30 so we didn't see the daylight we didn't see our own personal daylight so we, any daylight we saw we were under the clock so like we get there in the morning it's dark and when we can leave it's dark and then the very next day we got let out like an hour earlier at 8 30 because 
someone found out. They're like, you're not meant to do that. And then, so I think compliance was like, oh, what time? Oh, I saw that you guys didn't finish at this time. So um, they probably jumped onto the, the phone or knocked on the coach's office and said, uh, what you have done was in breach of the rules. And um, so sometimes compliance are good because it helps the student out. But other times compliance are like, oh, yeah, you're riding us pretty hard. Come on. But uh, yeah, like days like that, that is just massive. And that you is think you get it done in 14, what you get done in 16, surely. I mean, it's, uh, you think they yeah. could find a way to shave that a little bit. Even if you yeah, eliminate sorry. the nap in the middle of the day and finish at six instead of nine. Yeah, they don't want to do that. Yeah, I know. Is for the coaches to go over the film and break it down yeah. so they can put it up for the meeting or something like that. But this year, it was a lot easier. Or maybe it was a lot easier for me because like, I'd gone through a bit. But um, yeah, we were there a lot later in the morning and we'd finish probably around... I can't even remember, but uh, it was about seven or eight or something like that. But um, not a lot of nap in the middle of the day. But uh, I think our coach this year, Coach Holgerson, liked to sleep in. So that's probably why we uh, had a bit of a, a later start than usual. Yeah, so uh, it's changed since then. It's only two weeks now, not three weeks, like in 2016. And uh, well, my first experience of team punishment, luckily I wasn't on the, the side of it. I was just watching the um, in the lifts. You would break up into like the freshmen would be learning all the lifts, like all the Olympic lifting. They just presume you have no idea about anything. So um, one time, he's a, he's a good friend of mine now. His name is Dixie. One time, Dixie, I can't remember what he did. I think he had he he had diabetes. Still has diabetes, and he wasn't. I can't remember. He wasn't doing something. To, to help him. So um, the team or all the freshmen had to do 150 up downs because Dixie did something wrong. And then, so they're all doing, if you've ever done a up down, it's like a burpee except like really hard. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you watch like Remember the Titans, like it's those things where they blow the whistle, you hit the deck and then you jump back up. So uh, they've done 150 up-downs in front of this one kid who isn't doing them and he's the one getting, like, absolutely going to... He's going to get punished later. I think they ended up having a fight or a couple of people didn't like what they were doing. So they, um, yeah, you know, how people were filled with testosterone go. Mm -hmm. But uh, he, he can hold his own. So I think it was dead heat in the end. But um, Well, after a longest kick competition, a Pro Kick Australia tour acclimatising to life in the United States and visa issues. We were on the eve of the start of Dane Roy's first season with the Houston Cougars. And for the Cougars, they were coming off a tremendous finish to 2015 in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl final in front of 71,000 people where they defeated Florida the year before. 45 and that'll do it. The Cougars are going to come away <laughs> with the biggest win for this program in 30-plus years. Yeah, right before the first game, Kiara made it over. And um, it was just really great to see her. Obviously, hadn't seen her for June, July and August. Now it's the end of August. We're about to play uh, first game and she'd made it in town. And um, yeah, the first game, it, it fell on September 3rd, which was um, my grandpa's birthday. And uh, he had passed away um, uh, two years prior to that. And so I was pretty emotional. I, my tattoo on my arm... 
is the anchor and he had an anchor on his um in his forearm as well so that's like something to remind me of him so i knew that my grandpa was looking down and he would have been proud like and it was an absolutely memorable day like one of the my most memorable games ever and and we ended up winning it somehow as well so the first game we played oklahoma and it was against uh i think they were ranked three or six or something like that they had Baker Mayfield, uh, Joe Mixon, Mark Andrews. It was a 72,000 crowd and uh, 5.7 million people watching on TV. And, uh, and a mate from Richmond Central's had come along too. He was dating uh, a girl at the time and they were over in America and they dropped in to watch the game. And he said, one of the best games he's ever seen. Like, the atmosphere was just crazy. And... Um, yeah, so uh, it was pretty cool. So Dane Roy, a 27-year-old punter. When he was coming over, after he agreed to play at Houston, he was FaceTiming his special teams coach with a cocktail in his hand. <laughs> you knew that when you were 27. At 27. It's a very interesting story. And the fair catch made at the 27-yard line. You saw the graphic, former ice cream salesman. Yeah. He won the punt passing kick essentially for the entire country of Australia. It's our continent of of Australia. I mean, former ice cream salesman, it's classic though. He was working on some onside kick and obviously a deep Australian accent when he was readying the kickoff team. Okay, Mike, go. It was classic. Uh, ESPN talked about me a lot and they loved the fact that I was an ice cream salesman, former <laughs> ice cream salesman. And, but they listed me as coming from Burpin, Gary, which I Googled later. It turns out it's in, in Brisbane. Yeah. Yeah, Queensland, like 10,000 kilometers away, or not 10,000, but uh, a long way away. So uh, it became a meme as well. Barstool Sports threw out a, um, a meme because it was me lining up for my first punt saying, uh, when you lie on your resume and you get the job anyway. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, you would not believe this, but I didn't punt until the third quarter. Like, I thought I was going to punt in the first drive and then something happened. We just kept scoring. And then one stage, um, Linnell Bonner took like a uh, slips catch with his feet touching the, um, the, the field of play and his body was fully extended into the crowd, I reckon. Third and ten, Ward running around, being chased by everybody on the Sooners' defense. Ward gets out of there, throws it downfield. It's caught as he inbounds. Yes! Wow. Bonner with a grab inside the 45. The clock is running. The clock should have stopped. It's a first down. Nobody's caught the fact that the clock is running. Wow, what a catch. Wow. And uh, I thought I was about to run on and play. Like, no, still keep going. So, uh, yes, yeah, start the first, uh, first drive of the third quarter, run out there, keep my head down. Don't look up. Don't look up. Don't look up. Just wait. Do your thing. All right. Catch the ball. Kick it. You've done this. And I just chose a typical drop punt just to get the ball rolling. 42-yard fair catch. Love it. And uh, in the end, we, uh, we won – uh, was it 33 to 23 and people were like Houston are coming and then the hype around us just took off after that and uh, there was even talks of us like joining the Big 12 which is a, a massive conference in the 
power five. And uh, Greg Wood started for us, the uh, quarterback, and uh, he's a wide receiver on the Eagles right now. Yeah, the next game rolls around. It's uh, September 10th. We're playing Lamar. But um, my parents didn't really know how to read the American schedule. Um, they lift the home team last. Yeah, where it's, it's, it might be, let's say, Denver at San Antonio yeah. rather than here where it would be Hawthorne hosting Melbourne. Yeah, so. they, they, they missed the at part. So um, yeah. they booked the trip to New Orleans on the same day and oh. um, leading up to it. And uh, they cancelled it when they realised I was playing at home. They're like, we cannot go to a different state, a different city when you're playing here and we're in the same country. They're like, we've come all this way, so we'll, we'll stay. But they should have gone to NOLA. <laughs> they should have left because there was a lightning delay. Halfway through mm-hmm. the first quarter, lightning strikes, and then we're just sitting in the locker room for three and a half hours. Right at the last knock of the bloody uh, the, the door with the uh, officials, they're like, all right, if there's one more lightning strike, we're going to call it off. What happens? No more lightning strikes. <laughs> so uh, we roll out there in the um, after three and a half hour delay. And also one of the coaches, he was not very happy with the, uh, the O-linemen. They had, um, I don't think we'd like, we had some opportunities to score and keep the, keep the drive moving. And they just stuffed it up a few times. I'm gathering. I have no idea still, but um Oh, the, uh, the coach, he kicked someone's helmet. And it, like these, um, these lockers, they're just open lockers and there's kind of a gap between the, the roof and the, uh, the top of the locker. And he's kicked one of these and it was a perfect chip over the crossbar. <laughs> it went over the, uh, over the locker and then landed on the other side and hit a coach. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But these things happen in football. It's just collateral damage and you just have to move on. But um, me and the specialists are looking, I'm like, did you see that? He just kicked the helmet clean over the over the locker. That must have hit someone. And then we appear and someone runs around the room. Who was that? And then oh, it was the coach. But um, and that's right. He made them up down during the game. So, uh, yeah, wanted to um, send a message early. But, yeah, three and a half hours later, they restart. Um, everyone was everyone pretty much left. Like it was not a big game to start with. So uh, when everyone came back, um, they'd hit the tailgates pretty hard, and they they're like, "No, nah, we're not coming back." So uh, yeah, um, I had one punt for the day. This is this this was a confusing one. Like one punt for the day, I kicked it fifty yards. The guy caught it on the eights, but it kind of hit his shoulder, ran into the end zone, and he just picked it up and took a knee. And I was like. By my calculations, that is a safety. And then apparently it wasn't. He didn't have control. So it was my touchback. And I was like, all right, so it's a 58-yard punt. They're like, no, no, it's a minus eight-yard return with a 50-yard punt. I'm like, well, then I can't kick a touchback if the ball only goes 50 yards. But that's, that's just me with the rules and just being nitpicky because <laughs> as a punter, you don't want a touchback. And I'm like, if you, yeah. you're giving me a touchback after that guy dropped it? You're kidding me. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah. We won 42-0 to zero at the end. And uh, then the next week, uh, we play on a Thursday night. We head up to Cincinnati. They're unranked. It's an away game. Awesome atmosphere. Like, James Smith is at Cincinnati right now. And I didn't you – know, obviously wasn't here this year, the 2016. But it's an awesome atmosphere. It's one of the oldest um, stadiums in uh, college 
football and it's, it goes underground technically. Like you, they dig into the ground and it's a bowl kind of stadium. Um, Greg Ward, quarterback again. I shanked a punt, but like I was backed up into the end zone. The student section's there. They've got the bloody thunder clappers. They're making a lot of noise. I, I, I uh, grab the ball, I roll out, I kick it. And sometimes it just doesn't hit the foot right. And as soon as I kicked it, they're, they're screaming like, yes, oh my God. But the good thing was I landed a few inside the five and one actually downed it on the one yard line. So everyone was like, hey, you did your job in the end. And I think one resulted in a safety as well. So that's one of the best feelings as a punter. Like you pin them back, you pin them back. And then the, the offense can't even get out of it. And the defense gets some points out of it. It's one of the, the best things. The, um, that a punter can do other than score a touchdown. We'll get to the, that game later. <laughs> but, um, yeah, th- this game was unbelievable. Like, we were down by four points, three-quarter time, and um, we scored four unanswered touchdowns to win it. And we also beat the Storm because at the same time, someone was on the bench saying, hey, this Storm's rolling through. Like, we might have to delay it. I'm glad they didn't because that would have been two weeks in a row of delayed game. It was already a late game because the pizza had been delivered too early and we had cold pizza after the game. Can you believe it? But cold pizza is actually pretty nice. Yeah, that was a pretty cool win. We're 3-0 now. We win 40-16. to 16. Next week, we go all the way. Oh, by the way, that after that game, I think we got home at like 3 a.m. or something. It was a... Because we came down from... Oh, we're up in Cincinnati and uh, flew the plane back. And, yeah, it just takes a lot to, like, pack everything up and get going. It, it's not like you can just jump in an Uber straight away. So, uh, the next game, September 24th, Texas State. We head to San Marcos. First bus trips, make sure you download uh, some movies because sometimes these buses don't have Wi-Fi. So uh, they're not very good. Um, this We beat them 64 to three. The fans were terrible in the first half. They were just like right behind us. Like usually there's a big break between the bench and the stadium, like the front row. And this one was right on us. And they were just giving it to us. And like, I think they were like, making fun of me as an Aussie or something like that. But um, I turned around and they were gone by the time halftime rolled around. So, uh, yeah. But during this game, I had one of my first mistakes. Um, you learn a lot when you're a first yearer. Um, the, my personal protector, he calls what's happening on the field. And because there was an overload on one side, he wanted me to f- kick to the other side but he didn't turn around and tell me. He turned. He just yelled it to everyone. And I'm like, is, is he changing the punt? He didn't turn around. So I just kicked the normal punt. Half the team ran to the normal punt and the other team ran to the, um, the, the new punt, the changed punt. And uh, in the team meeting the next day, I got yelled at. And so did the, the guy for not telling me. He's like, you got to know that he's changing it. Uh, and he goes, you got to go and tell Bonner. He's the guy kicking it. <laughs> so um yeah like it didn't matter in the end like we won they didn't really do anything 
after this game, I've had some spare time between classes like next week. And so I volunteered to go on a school visit and um, just wanted to see like what I can do with my time um, as, as a college football. Apparently it's a pretty big thing for college footballers to go to local schools. Like the kids are like, oh, this is awesome. And um, then they get to see a six foot seven Aussie. For our matchup, it's the American Conference on ESPN on a beautiful night in Houston where the sixth ranked team in the country, the Houston Cougars, thinking about that loss to UConn last year. So uh, the next game, UConn. We played UConn. Another Thursday night game. We got to wear black. Well, we were in grey or something. On the TVs, mum thought it was uh, navy blue. I'm like, mum, it was grey. Come on. But uh, <laughs> you know how it is. But uh, yeah, another Thursday night match. Um, this was against the, the only team that beat UH the previous year. And they're not good. So it was just like a danger game last year. And this year, everyone was like, we're going to beat them. And we did. We won 42 to 14. Um, I was best on ground for the specialists, so to say. So I um, yeah, had, a good, had a good game. And it was really good because I had some Aussies to come watch. Um, friends of uh, Dean Axe back home. Alex Danaki was a punter at uh, Hawaii. His friends were in town or in America for a... Uh, um, what is it? Uh, triathlon. Jack Murphy's a triathlon uh, runner, and Sam is his brother. So um, yeah, they came and watched, and they kicked a Sharon in the car park, and uh, <laughs> and everyone was loving that. But uh, they were ahead of their time, if you would say, right now. And uh, luckily, they were in town. They were doggy supporters, and I was a Swan supporter. And the next day, we got to go to a local pub that hosted the AFL Grand Final, which was the Phoenix on Westheimer. The, uh, the Houston Lone Stars is a local uh, Aussie rules team. And um, they were holding a big big night. And uh, I watched the, the game there. And um, obviously the Swannies lost. And um, I would have been a bit more upset, but... Knowing how much it meant to uh, Jack and Sam because um, they were dog supporters and their their mum had passed away and they'd all been dogs fans and just seeing the emotion go through them it kind of didn't even it didn't even matter to me because like that really meant that much for them I'd already seen the 2005 and the 2012 victories for the Swans and I was like all right you can have this so um, yeah I'm I've got a bit of a soft spot for the doggies but. Um, yeah. After the grand final, what we um, had our next game. We were five and zero right now. We are. Um, I think we're we're ranked at the moment. We play Navy, who are unranked, and they play a certain game style that is different to a lot of the teams. I think only a, a handful of teams in college football run this game style, and it's called the triple option. So they give it to the quarterback, and the quarterback can run it. Or the quarterback can, as he's running it, pass it off to a running back. Or as the quarterback's running it, he could throw it to one of the receivers. And um, it's really hard to defend against if you are not having a good day. And then at the same time, it's really easy to defend against if you've got a good game plan, which is um, why some of these teams are very successful and then not so successful. But... um, yeah, on this day, it was a cold, wet day up in Annapolis, which is, uh, and it was the home of the um, United States Marine Corps and Army. I think uh, that's the, uh, not the Army, sorry, the Navy. 
um, obviously, Navy being the team we played. The first time I've been there, it was like wet, raining, and it felt like Poo Wong. If you've ever played a Poo Wong, you've probably been there and it's always been wet. Like, it's always raining there. So um, this game started off, we, uh, we made them punt first drive and they didn't really get out of their 50. And then we scored straight away. And, like, their student section is, like, um, they're all, like, Navy uh, cadets. I think that's what they're called. And they're all about to go out to war. And, um, like, when they, when they graduate, they're all going to go and uh, represent their country in, um, in, in combat. And uh, they have, like, the most amazing uniforms. They've got their white hats. And today, or that day, they all have the raincoats on. And um, they're all standing in the same area. And it's like a, an old school bleacher style standing room like you would know from all the soccer days, the, um, all the terraces. They just stand there the whole game. And um, they were pretty loud. And then we scored first drive and then it just shut them right up. And we're like, all right, we're good here. But then the kicker, for some reason, he just launched it. The, the kickoff, after you score a touchdown, obviously you kick off. He just launched it straight down the middle. And then he he's meant to be a safety and, like, protect it. But he got sucked in and tried to make a tackle. And all of a sudden, the kick returner has burst through and he's made it halfway. And then all of a sudden, he's inside the 10 and gets tackled by the fastest man on our team, Isaiah Johnson, at the time, who is now with the Raiders. And... Um, then the crowd didn't shut up the whole game. Like that, like we had shut them up after just scoring so quickly and all of a sudden we give them life and then they just didn't shut up for the whole game. And I think we lost, yeah, we lost um, 46 to 40 in the end and I didn't get to punt until the very last quarter. And this is, um, this is uh, like one of those games where there's not a lot of chances for punts. So finally in the last quarter, I roll out there to punt and it's been raining all day. So the long snap has been on the side, pretending, uh, like warming up with a, a wet ball. So he's known, he's got, all right, I've got to get a wet ball out there. It's very difficult to snap the ball when it's wet. So we roll out there and it is dry. And it hasn't rained for like a half an hour or an hour. And it's pretty dry. And the ball is dry as well. And the snapper wasn't ready for that. So Byron has launched it. He's gone through our personal protectors about like head high. And then one of them was a captain. He just looked back as soon as that happened because he's like, this is not going to be very good. So I'm pretty tall. I'm six foot seven. I couldn't reach it. It has gone above my head. Like I would have to jump up and across to one hand snag it like a slips catch. So even if you told me, hey, it's going to be there, it would have been a really tough catch to make that. So I had no idea it was going to be there. It was uh, snapped out and we were right near the end zone. So it skipped through the end zone and it went out the back of the end zone. So a safety. So I chased after the ball anyway because I was going to push it out the back for a safety because the last thing you want to do is get well, let them pick it up in the end zone for a, a six-point touchdown, so to say or at least get it on the goal line so they've got a chance for a touchdown. So then right after the, the touchdown, uh, right after the safety, we do a, um, an onside kick and um, they recover it and kick a field goal. And then I think we're down by about uh, just over, just about 10 points. We score a touchdown straight away. And then we do another onside 
and I um, kick it the opposite side. I just do everything the same. I'm going to kick it over to the right side of the field. I slap it back and the ball spins through their leg, one of the guys on the outside's legs, ready for one of us to just jump on it. And there was no one there and it just spins out of bounds and everyone's like, we had it, we had it. <laughs> and then the, the game ends up, yeah, 46 to 40. And um, that was our first loss of the year. And it was pretty, pretty rough flight back. But, um, oh, and the crowd, all the students, all the cadets, they ran on the field. And it was like, wow, this is, um, this is like, it wasn't fun to, to be on losing side, but it was pretty cool to see all the, all the cadets run out there with their hats and throwing them up. And, um, yeah, that was it's definitely a memory I have and not really for the right reasons. You know, you're not going to win very many games. Uh, especially against a really good team on the road, turning the ball over three times, one for a touchdown, uh, snapping the ball over the punter's head, and then uh, letting them rush for over 300 yards. So uh, this one hurts, uh, but we still have everything in front of us. We, we got uh, Our goal, as it is each and every year, is to uh, win our conference championship and go to a New Year's Six Bowl game, and we've got an opportunity to um, go continue that journey. But, um, yeah, on the bus on the way home to the airport, there was whispers from our coach at the time. People overheard him on the phone speaking to what could have been his wife, but um, uh, they were looking for houses in Austin, <laughs> which is weird yeah. because you're halfway through a season and um, why are you looking for houses in Austin? But um, yeah, that... No one really thought too much of that, but um, they also heard uh, him and his right-hand man talk to each other. He goes, no, we're gone or something like that. So be read into that what you will, but it's just like, if you look back, you're like, oh, they're gone. As soon as they lost that game, they're done. But um, yeah, it's uh, it wasn't fun that, to, to hear that on the bus, but um, yeah, people have their own ways to, uh, to get over certain things happening. Tulsa and Houston have built a strong rivalry in the 70 years since they first met in December of 1950. The two sides have spent the last six years together in the American Athletic Conference, having previously competed in Conference USA. And their rivalry goes way back to the Missouri Valley Conference in the early 1950s. And for Dane, rightly or wrongly, he would feel this rivalry in a very strong way. And uh, the next game we played Tulsa. They were unranked. It was a crazy game and um, probably my worst game ever. I, um, I think I had one of the first punts I had was about a 15-yard punt. I shanked it. We do a rollout style. It's like a, your buddy Franklin on the 50. You're just trying to just uh, take a couple of steps out of, the, out of an arc and then just kick it. And um, it just come off the wrong part of my foot and come up high on the ankle and across the side of the foot. And it just went over the other side of the field. And I couldn't find a hole big enough to dig myself in that. Uh, like, it was just the worst feeling ever because everyone's expecting you to do your job and you didn't do your job. Now you've given your team a terrible field position. And um, yeah, uh, I think I averaged like 30 for the game. It was just, it was not fun. And it's, that was – no one come up to me after I, I punted that because they knew they are like, well, we didn't do that deliberately. We just see how he bounces back from here. And you know, I didn't really have a good game. But, um, 
we managed to win that. And it was sort of like, if you go and watch a game, watch the last two minutes or the last quarter of this, it was crazy. Evans, scrambling. He lost the football. Houston has it. And Boulay, touchdown! We won with a goal line stand, 38 to 31. Like, we just scored a touchdown before that. Then they drive all the way back. That we were on, they were on the goal line with like four or five seconds to go. They, t- they ditched it out wide or pitched it out wide, or whatever they say. And Austin Robinson came on for one play in this game and made a game-winning tackle. Flanders, open space, down to the one-yard line. First and goal, Tulsa, 15 seconds to go. Is stopped and Oliver got in the backfield. Eight seconds left, down to seven now in a timeout. Evans play action throws to the run. He is stopped. Houston wins. He just read the play well and he just he tackled the guy right on the line and put him down on the ground. And they went back to a, like a, a review of the score because they're like, we think that's short, but we've got to make sure because it's the last play of the game and it's, it's going to determine it. We'll make sure. And he like just scraped in like from holding him out of the end zone. And it was, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, uh, and now our record six and one, we're ranked 11. And uh, then we head on up to SMU for our next game and SMU's a like a Dallas team. They're a rich, rich area. They're uh, known for like um the I don't know what they're known for, but um yeah, it's like a, a private school for college and stuff. They would say they're probably like a a fancy team, you would say. But they in the eighties they were like unstoppable. It turns out they were paying players. That's why they were unstoppable. And they had the death penalty. They got told they can't have football for a, a season or two. And so they just haven't really recovered until um, last year, actually, where they, I think they won 10 in a row, which is pretty cool to see them bounce back. But um, yeah, they're, they're, our, um, they're our rivals, in-state rivals. So we drove up on the bus. No crowd there, by the way. No one watched, no one watched these guys. So like, there's like a couple of thousand there or something. So... Um, there's no atmosphere, just like the Navy game. There was like no atmosphere. So we couldn't, it was like, we couldn't play when there's no crowd there. I think that was a bad thing about the 2016 team. We couldn't create our own energy. So, um, yeah, we couldn't score. And, um, like, they couldn't really score either at the start. But then once they realised, hey, we're in this, we could beat the ranked 11th Houston team. And then as soon as their tails are up, um, there's an Aussie on their team, Jamie Sackville from uh, Pro Kick Australia at the time. He, uh, he managed to run a fake punt against us without his coaches knowing. So, like, he just saw an opportunity and took it. And I chatted to him after the game and the coach, he said the coach told him, oh, you're lucky you made it because if you didn't, you would have been running to the airport. <laughs> or something like that. So uh, usually you don't have permission to run. He didn't have permission to run. He just saw that our last guy who was meant to be there and secure the kick just ran the other way. And then, yeah, took off and see you later. And then they make the first down. But, uh, yeah. So we lose that game 38-16. to 16. We drop out of the national rankings, which is just 
not fun and not good if you're trying to be a, uh, a big team. And, um, yeah, really didn't help us. How's your coach going with his uh, real estate speculation at this point? Uh, no, no, no news to speak oh, of yeah. at this point. But, um, yeah, I think there might have been discussions yeah. on the... Uh, on the back burner, so to say, because I, I would I would uh, hazard a guess that the contract that he signed was written up over the previous over the last few months of the season. But um, another bus trip to Houston this time, very quiet one. So the next week we play UCF at Central Florida. This game was a weird game. Like we wore we wore pink socks. People had like pink wristbands and pink towels. And during the uh, the pregame, the refs came up to us and said, "We can't use pink towels. We can't use uh, them because they need to be white for some reason." And so we had to strip them all back and um, change the towels. But I uh, got to wear our pink socks for the breast cancer awareness game. Um, I think we were down by a million at halftime. This was just game just wasn't going our way. It was a uh, it was a really hot day, I think, and, and um, I think everyone was thinking of the big Halloween party after the game. So that's why we probably didn't have our uh, our minds on the job. Everyone's just thinking, hey, we've got a buy next week. We've got a massive party coming up. And uh, halftime, I think we're down 24 to 3, and, um, and we end up winning 31 to 24. Uh, Garrett Davis is a, is a great guy, one of my good friends. He um, he had this inspirational speech at halftime, like you, the stuff you hear in the movies, and everyone was just g'd up after that. And we came out absolutely firing and scored, I think, four touchdowns to nothing in the in the the second half, and we uh, yeah we won. So now our record seven and two. Then we go into the bye week, which is uh, pretty cool. I think uh, it was my first Halloween party and I dressed up um, as a, you, depends what who, who you ask. I'll just say I dressed up as a surgeon. Face <laughs> mask, scrubs on. But um, if you ask other people, I think, I think I was calling it at the time a recreational gynecologist or something. <laughs> you got to make the Americans laugh somehow. But um, yeah, seven and two record. We go into the bye week like these bye. We I'm glad there's two bye weeks now because we needed a bye in this stage because everyone was like off their feet. They're like, oh boy, we need a break. So the next game we play um, is Tulane. They are unranked, and um, I think this was a day game. Yeah, so uh, this was like one of the weirdest moments ever. People say they'd never seen this before. So first drive of the game, I punt it. I'm probably like 55, 60 yards from the end zone. The guy who's punt returner tries to catch it and he drops it and he kind of like twists his knee at the same time and then somehow dislocates his elbow. Oh. So he's touched the ball. Now he's on the ground grimacing in pain the ball rolls into the end zone and Jeremy Winchester, thank you, Jeremy, jumps on the ball and it's a touchdown. Wow, those in college football, rugby style, and that is a high boot, Nickerson at the 11, boxed it. That is a loose football. And that is a touchdown. And you just see me and the camera sprint down. I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> 
scored a touchdown off a punt and people were like, how? I've never seen that before. And I said, mate, you've never seen an Aussie punt either, have you? So um, I was pretty proud of myself for uh, popping a guy's elbow out with a punt. But um, yeah, I punted 11 times that game. You'd never know because we won 30 to 18 and the last four or five or six drives of the game were punts. And, um, yeah, I had 11 punts and I averaged 44 and I got um, player, special teams player of the week in the conference, which was a pretty cool, a pretty cool feather in the cap to have in your first year. How were your thoughts on the uh, punting game? Uh, it like that really played a pivotal role today. Yeah, pivotal. 11 punts, uh, 45 yard average, something like that, and uh, six inside the 20. You know, when you're not playing great offense, but you're playing good defense, uh, the key is to continue to flip the field. And, um, you know, we, we got good field position because we, we had some fourth down stops and some onside kick recoveries. Uh, didn't do much there, obviously, with the ball offensively, but when that happens, you need your punt team. Uh, to show up, and, and they certainly did. They were bringing a ton of pressure. So now our record's 8-2. and two. We are flying here. And the big game, the second big game of the season would be uh, Louisville. They're ranked three. Lamar Jackson comes into town, and it's one of the best games ever. It's, um, we, had, we had Waka Flocker in, in the crowd, and um, uh, for those Australians, that is a musician, he's a rapper, he sings some very popular songs. And um, so we run down the tunnel to start the game. It's like lights are out, the smoke machine's going, there's lasers. There's, the crowd is 42,000 deep. They were going to put college game day there, but this was a Thursday night game. So college game day is only on Saturday mornings. So they're like, no, nah, we'll keep this one for Thursday night. Uh, I reckon millions of people would have watched this on ESPN as well. This was a, uh, a very, very big game. They got the nine and two, uh, eight and two Houston versus ranked three Louisville. Crazy. So, opening play of the game, it is a kick to the. Um, we kick it to Louisville. They catch it and they run it back and they they do what they need to do. But we. I think it was Jordan Milburn. He just ran straight at the guy with returning the ball and spilled the ball. And all of a sudden, we have the ball with 10 seconds into the game on our 10-yard line. Next play, touchdown. Greg Ward throws to Tyler McCloskey, I think, or Duke Catalan, and we score a touchdown. And um, the crowd goes crazy. And the crowd never really shut up for the rest of the game. As soon as you have that, that edge on a team, as a home team, like the crowd just eats that up. So um, second quarter, we're, um, we're up by a couple, couple of touchdowns and a field goal. And, um, and then the, the coach at one stage realised that the, uh, the time to bring out the fake punt was now. And here's coach Carl Robinson speaking to us about the fake punt. Well, I don't want to take credit for the pass. But that was actually that was everybody probably says it. But that was a fake. Uh, that was my fake I brought in. So I stole. I stole it. To be fair, it, when I was at Texas State, uh, Idaho ran it on us uh, back in like 2015. And I was like, oh, that's really good. I'm putting that one back for one day. So we also caught up with long snapper Byron Simpson. It was a Thursday night game. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday when the coaches were like, if this comes up, we're we're doing it. He said. Coach Herman said, if it's fourth and nine or less, we're running it. And so, I mean, it didn't really 
affect my game any. I remember in pregame, I told my parents to pay attention. I wasn't going to spoil it. But I told my parents to pay attention. Right, we're halfway in midfield. If we keep the ball, we could score here and put the game within in doubt. And um, so we're it's fourth and 13, but the coach thinks it's fourth and three. So Coach Herman goes, he's calling the fake punt. He goes, zebra. I think that's what we called it. And then I'm running out there. I'm thinking, hey, we're, we're doing this. This is the fake punt. We have been practicing for the last 10, 20 weeks for. I know this in practice. I, I threw to Byron. Like, I've hit him up some real laser passes. I was like Tom Brady out there. But then sometimes in practice, like, I overthrow him, I underthrow him. But I practiced this so much. And it was time to run out there. But I had a few terms and conditions before I could pull the trigger. They, well, the way we lined up, we had a um, couple of guys out on the right side, a couple of guys out on the left side. And the guys on the right switched out to my left. The only way I could throw it is if the defenders followed those guys. And right the last minute, well, I was thinking, anyway, I'm going to try to throw this regardless. Like, how many times are going to chance to throw a ball in a game? I'm just going to throw it. And then right last second, those guys went over to the other side and opened it up. Perfect. And then I rolled out. I just threw it. Not the best throw. Like, it was a bit like a lollipop, a bit of a rainbow on it. But he caught it and made the first down. Obviously, it all happens real fast. But I can remember snapping it and just running. Like, I got to get 15 yards. Or if I'd be... I'd be the laughing stock of Sports Center if we went for it on fourth down and I got eight yards and needed nine on that big trick play. So that was my memory was running, thinking, get my depth. And then when I came out, I ran past the Louisville guy in my peripheral and I knew that I was going to be open. So then I found Dane with my eyes and he threw it and that ball was in the sec in the air for about 15 minutes in my mind. It was, I was just staring at it, and the ball was floating, but the Louisville people were running full speed. That's the way my brain, I was like, damn, they're going to get here before the ball does, but the, it just, it's kind of like in a movie. It slows down, you can't hear anything, you see the ball, and then it ball gets its peak and then comes down into your hands real fast, and then it's over. But those guys were so quick. They came from the other side of the field to right where I threw the ball within a matter of seconds. And I was like, ooh, good thing I didn't hang that up much longer because that could have been picked off. The throw wasn't the best, but we can't complain too much because we completed it and got the first down. I think we scored two plays later. But uh, I just – the biggest memory was I, I was had to kind of slide to get it, so I was down. And I just popped up real fast, and that's when, like, my hearing came back and the roar of the crowd, and then everybody's slapping me and all that. And I was just thinking, I was just looking around, like, I was 15 yards, right? Like, we're, we're good. Even though everybody was screaming, my brain was like, please be 15 yards. But if I threw it like a dart and it got there, he could have scored a touchdown. That would have been pretty cool. Dan Roy, and they're faking it. The throw completed! First down! That was pretty remarkable. Byron Simpson, a tight end on special teams. And that was a heck of a pass. Well, it was an unusual formation. Look at this. He's snapping right here. Everybody's lined up on that side. He's an eligible receiver because he's the end man on the line of scrimmage. 
Little trickeration by Tom Herman, the head coach, taking advantage. Louisville was completely fooled by that formation. And how about the throw by Dan Roy, the true freshman from Australia? Doesn't do that a lot, Australian rules rugby football. You can't throw it forward. We sacked Lamar Jackson a fair few times that night. I think like uh, 10 or 12. And uh, yeah, we won. We beat number three. And uh, usually in the college football, what they do, the crowd does, if you beat a ranked team and you're the home team, you run on the field and celebrate. And that's what we did. Even though the conference put up signs, please do not run on the field. But um, come on. How often are you going to win against a ranked team at home? They've had a lot of great players in the history of this program. This is the winningest senior class in Houston football history. Final score, but we knew Houston had a chance to win this game. I don't think anybody thought that this kind of domination was possible against Lamar Jackson of the Cardinals. 36-10. to 10. My wife was luckily enough to be in town, and she got on the field too. I somehow stumbled across her. And I got a nice picture of me hugging her. And also I um, saw some, the Aussies who run the, uh, the um, like a local Australian football team here, the Houston Lone Stars, they ran on the field too. So I got a, a picture with um, Dave and I think it was uh, Sam was the other guy. But um, yeah, what, a, what an amazing game. And so we won 36 to 10, absolutely pumped them. Records nine and two now. And we're back in the rankings. We're ranked 18. So now it's the build-up of the uh, of Thanksgiving. So um, a lot of things shut down. Um, so uh, you don't really know. Like I think Thanksgiving, like a few things shut down. The restaurants, some restaurants are open, but um, I was on my way to Memphis to play the last game, and Kiara went to Austin, and uh, she found out that uh, all the buildings were closed in Austin. So um, she had to I think she had a Thanksgiving meal in her hotel. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we went to Memphis. There's a lot of talent on that Memphis team. There's Tony Pollard, Daryl Henderson, Anthony Miller. Just reading the notes there, and it's it was crazy because uh, yeah, what a what a team! Like, because we nine and two going in. I'm pretty sure if we win, yeah, if we win this game, we go to the American Conference Championship. But if Memphis win, they go to the championship and play UCF. I think it was. So we, we're heading up to Memphis. We have our Thanksgiving dinner the night before the game. And then um, right uh, as we're having the dinner, ESPN's always on because I think there was a... During that Thanksgiving week, there's a lot of different games on the, the days leading up to it. And um, we were watching the games and then all of a sudden there's a break in play and down the bottom of the screen, the ticker rolled around. It said... Uh, UH coach Tom Herman commits or is signing with LSU. <laughs> and we're like, really? That's our coach. So I'm looking around the, uh, the room. Our specialists were all on a table. And I'm looking around, where's the coach's table? Oh, it's over there. He's not there. And we're like, where is he? So it turns out he was in a, um, in a, a meeting with the captain saying this LSU rumor is false. I'm not going to LSU. Well, I'm not sure he said that, but that's how we all thought of it in the end. He's like, oh, I'm not going to LSU. I'm not, that's, that's false. That's false. What I reckon happened, this is my personal opinion. If I was a businessman, I would do this. I would get my agent 
or whoever to leak to the press yep. to say I'm going somewhere so the team I really want to go to makes a bit more of an offer. So um, call me crazy, but I reckon that's what happened. But um, yeah, uh, the, uh, the, uh, like the uh, ESPN, they're like Tom Herman to LSU. It's done. It's, it, it's all but done. So we're like, all right. And then he addresses the team and says, um, no, this is incorrect. And um, I'm pretty sure he addressed the team, but I think he did. But yeah, he's like, this is incorrect. My job is to get you guys to the, the championship and we're here for good. And I was like, cool. So the next day we roll into the, um, the, the ground, there's ESPN cameras all over and they're seeing him kiss the players. See, that's what he does. He does a kiss, wants, to, wants it to look like he cares for the players. So he kisses them. And then, um, so uh, they, they roll into him and they ask him a few questions. They're like, oh, what's this about LSU? And he's like, that is, so that's fake, that's false or whatever. I'm not going, at, at blah, blah, blah. It says what you have to say. Anyway, so we, um, it's a really cold game, by the way. Memphis in Thanksgiving, it was a bit, it was a bit nippy. And um, yeah, we, uh, they had really nice benches. They were like, heated benches so that was pretty cool as a specialist they want to keep the hamstrings nice and warm during a three to four hour game so the benches come in really handy i managed to get another fake punt two in a row so this one wasn't a throw we were um, punting and as i was rolling out i would kick it and they would already turn it the people on my right side uh, who wouldn't who would normally try and attack me didn't they just turned around and ran. And then on the sidelines, um, I think it was Coach Herman, he goes, all right, if you roll out again and they are not there and they just turn around, I want you to run. And I was like, all right, let's, let's do it. So uh, next punt, I, I caught the ball, I rolled out, and they took off. Dane Roy's going to take off with it. And the freshman from Australia converts on fourth down for Houston. It's an 11-yard run for the former Aussie Rules player. Well, look how look how far back he is to punt the football and how far he's got to go to pick up the first down. Really sells it. Memphis and pure return on special teams. And that'll drive a coach crazy right there. You've done all you needed to do to get off the field, and you allow a punter to run for a first down. So I took off. I thought I was running like a million miles an hour. I relook at the film and I'm, I'm kind of walking in Memphis, so to say, and I'm not going too quick. But um, yeah, we managed to score a, uh, a field goal after that because the worst thing that happens in, um, with the fake punts is you, you do a fake punt and then you come back out like a couple of plays later and kick it. You're like, well, we just wasted a fake punt for nothing. Yeah. So we got some points on the board. The last two minutes was crazy. We think we were down... We were down by like a score or something. We um, had the ball and um, we scored too quick. There was two minutes to go and we were in the red zone. And then all of a sudden we score a touchdown. Now there's like a minute and 20 left or a minute left. Now they have the ball and Memphis score so quick. They are like renowned for scoring quick. They like would score so quick against us in the years after this as well. You know, like they only had the ball for like 40 seconds. So then this one, there's a minute to go, and we're like, all right, hold on. Can we hold on? 
Well, we couldn't. They scored really quickly. And um, I think with 20 seconds to go, we had the ball. But, uh, yeah, we, we didn't end up winning that. Um, yeah, not fun. Season over just like that. Like, we were so close to the championship game. Nah, we were done. So that was really annoying. We flew home. Uh, as we got back to this, uh, the facility, there was Coach Herman and Coach McKnight, who was our strength coach. Really liked Coach McKnight. Like, he was a really nice guy, too. He, um, they were both hugging people as we got off the bus. And I didn't think too much of it. He's like, maybe that's what they do at the end of every season. They're like, they hug people and say, thank you for the season. That was really good. But what I, I didn't think at the time was like, he's saying goodbye to everyone. Mm. So we find out the next morning, like hours later, like, cause this is hours later, ESPN have already announced that Herman's going to um, Texas, the university of Texas in Austin. Tonight, UT coach Tom Herman says he will work every day to lead a football program you are proud of. He says he is truly honored and humbled and promised to solidify UT among the college football elite. So uh, the Longhorns have picked up our coach. So that's pretty annoying because you're like, he was just saying to us all yesterday and all the day before that he's not going anywhere. He signed his coach, he signed his contract overnight. And this is a pretty hefty contract as well. So we're thinking this is a complex contract that has been worked on for the past month or so. ESPN just went nuts on it. Um, He had a meeting with us on the Sunday, but we'd already been told, hey, if you live in Texas or if you live somewhere, you can leave for the whole week and come back because we don't have any practice. You've You've got exams to study for. So, yeah, he had a meeting with us on the Sunday. Bit of fair bit of crocodile tears in that meeting too. So he was a bit upset that um that he had to leave for whatever reason. But um yeah, it was he didn't really go about it the right way. I'm not sure he knew how to go about it the right way, but um Scott Frost from UCF showed a year later how to go about it the right way. He stayed with the team until the end of the season, like was completed. He didn't leave a, a couple of weeks before a bowl game. And um, people really enjoyed Scott Frost at UCF and they were like, yeah, this guy, he was, he was really good for us and all that. So it was, it was really annoying the way he left us. And um, people say, oh, yeah, he was a really good coach. He was a really good coach. Um, uh, no doubt about it. This guy was really, really smart. Like he knew his way around the football field. He was a, a really good, like, tactical coach. But I, I, um, I wouldn't say that he was a good coach to develop people because um, if you weren't one of the top players in the team, he really didn't have time for you. Like he, he would love his guys because they would get a lot of the, a lot of the, the plays and they would play a lot of the games. And like, but if you were like a, like a fourth, fifth string um, linebacker or something, he wouldn't have no time for you. And, and um, some people wouldn't even know the names of. I remember one team meeting, he'd stand up to someone who goes, who, who the hell is this guy? And I, it, was, it was pretty annoying as well because this guy did something nice and they were congratulating him. I'm, I'm coming from a different country. Maybe that's how they do things over in America. But um, oh, it was an also annoying. Like uh, he would call specialists by their positions. So I was known as a punter. <laughs> and... Um, 
the long snapper would all deep snapper would be he was would he be called and then the kicker but many times i was in the uh the, the medical room the treatment room and um tom as i like to call him he would say hey dan come over here oh i mean punter and i was like mate like <laughs> you is fine yeah, I'm, I'm 27 years old. I'm, I think I've earned some respect and uh, to, for you to call my name because you are literally calling my name and then correcting yourself and calling me punter. But that's just the way he is and that's the way he's brought up to, to as a coach to say that. It was pretty annoying. I was like, man. So it's been a memorable first season for Dane Roy and the University of Houston Cougars, but it's not quite over with the defection of Coach Herman to the University of Texas, a thorn in the side of a squad which had shown so much promise heading into school finals and of course bowl season. Coming up in the next episode of Taking a Punt, the Dane Roy story, exams, Las Vegas and a new head coach.